What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Dish Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Judge Bill, welcome to the platform. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Jerome? I'm doing good. It's 2022, you know. Yeah. New yeah. year. Hopefully, my favorite we... numbers. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of people don't know, but um, in high school, I was number 20, and then I went off on basketball scholarship at Auburn University, and there was two people that wanted number 20, and I signed my papers later than hers for my scholarship, so I lost number 20, and I ended up being number 22, and then I transferred um, from Auburn to Memphis and got my number 20 back. So 20 and 22, like those numbers together, have always been my favorite numbers. So 2022 is, is going to be a year of a great, amazing things, and so I, I believe. I got to ask you this. Yeah. Better baller, better hooper, or better judge? I think I'm good at both. Just got to be honest with you. you know, I always <laughs> say, you know, I serve in the community on and off the bench, right? Right. So as an athlete, you get on the bench, you get off the bench. Right. And I'm oh. in the court. I'm in the court no matter what I'm doing. Like so a double entendre. I think, I think I'm, I'm fairly, fairly good at both. It's, it's different skill sets. Right. You know, I'm not competitive on the court. I'm listening to both sides to make a decision. Right. Mm. On the court, I'm competitive. Right. I'm trying to defend you. I'm also trying to score on you. So it's hard to put those two together. But I would just say I'm good at both. It, this is like a lot of play on words because you really never left the court, That's even right. though you left the court. That's right. So I call it I call it riding the bench uh, and serving the community on and off the bench. You still got skills though on the oh, yeah. on the basketball yeah, school. You, you can still- take it out of my campaign. I'm going for my third term, so I did a three point video while I'm playing and shooting threes. Like I'm going for my three. Right, I'm going for my third yeah. term, so I figured I'm a basketball player. So I laced up my J's. Do you get out? Do, do you get out there and still do some like actual competitive hooping, or you? Oh, yeah. oh, okay, oh, yeah. all right. You can you? check me out on Facebook. I just played my basketball in the little, um, my dad and some basketball at <laughs> the oh. home little home gym. Okay, so that's a little fun. Okay, oh, yeah. see, hey, we gotta, gotta stay active. Yeah, yeah, true. It's my first love too. I mean, you don't give that up, right? Yeah, yeah. Nah, I thought I was going pro, but uh, you know, <laughs> everything don't work out. Hey, you know. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I thought. I I thought I was going to do it, you know. It was looking good, you know. But you know, we all can't go to the league, you know. Right, we all right, can't right. go to the league. So, um, Nashville native. That's right. Me and you both. We're mm-hmm. unicorns. Okay. Uh, North Nashville. Yeah. North Nashville. How many generations were you? I'm, I'm, I'm many. Grandmama. My, like, I'm going to tell you how far I go back. Okay. Um, my, my grandmother on my mama's side sung with Bobby Jones. Okay. Um, Temple Church, okay. and then my grandmother on my father's side, teacher at Haynes okay. Middle, Haynes Elementary, White's yeah. Creek, okay. all that. So it go, it go, it go, it go way, way, way back. That's cool. Yeah. So I'm all, my great grandparents were okay. here too. So okay, four generations on mine: great grandparents, okay. grandparents, my parents, and right. myself. So yeah. yeah, unicorns. We're rare. Yeah, we rare. Yeah. Yeah. So t- let's let's talk about that a little bit. Like, just how has the ch- like, how have you seen Nashville change and grow over time? Like, what's your thoughts on that? You know, it used to be to be a small town with a big city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's a big city. But I think the networks are still, you still know somebody within three three people, three degrees of separation. So Nashville is still small right. and who knows who. But at the same time, it's a big city. And so seeing it grow, I've been very proud to see our city um, maneuver and grow in the way that it has. Um, I would like to see us have more resources and infrastructure in the community, which, you know, I was raised in in North Nashville, and I know that the city is looking at that now. Um, it's our turn, I say, 
and sometimes you save the best for last. You know, I know reasons why. Right. Um, as a judge, you know, I don't get too opinionated in some of those spaces. Right. But, um, you know, I tr- I'm a very optimistic person. I try to see us look, m- moving forward in a positive way. So I'm excited about the growth for Nashville. What What area of North Nashville do you um, My family's from North Nashville and also Bordeaux, okay. North Nashville. So, and so 9th I, Street, I, State I, Street. I got to ask you this. You know, my uh, family. Queens Lane. Kings Clarkson Lane, Highway, same same Queens, people. Queens, Queens, Queens Lane, Lane. Hills, all that. Hanes, Manor, Goki, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Chateau Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I got a question now. Mm-hmm. I grew up in that area too. Mm-hmm. I went to. I say, I'm gonna say it. I went to Bardo. Bordeaux. <laughs> Bordeaux. 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 <laughs> is it Bordeaux? Is it's, it really? It's Bordeaux. <laughs> well, we trying to put slang on you. Say Bordeaux. It's, but a, but it's, it's Bordeaux. That's well, we know it's Bordeaux, right, but that's right. how like that's how I distinguish it. We you're all, you're no we all say it. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. It's Buchanan, Buchanan. It's depending. Yeah, Buchanan, Buchanan. <laughs> Buchanan. <laughs> um, and so, um, just very quickly, um, Judge General Sessions Judge, um, can you ex- kind of take us through the your day daily routine as a General Sessions Judge, um, and kind of some of your your roles that you play. Well, as a, general, that you play. as a general sessions court judge, we rotate on a, um, a multi-layer uh, docket schedule. So one week, I may be dealing with people that are mentally ill, aren't taking their medicine, or um, just recently diagnosed the need to be committed to the psychiatric ward for a period of time to get themselves healthy, um, not being a threat to themselves or others. On another week, I'll be over the felony jail docket, all the people that were arrested in the city of Nashville that committed felonies. On another week, I'll be over the misdemeanor jail docket, all those that committed a misdemeanor. Another week, I'll be over civil, which will be all of the landlord-tenant matters, debt collection matters, car accidents. Another week, I'll be over traffic, so all of the um, traffic stops mm-hmm. for uh, breaking the law, the rules of the road will come before us. And then we also have our specialty courts, some of the other courts that I handle, the Mead City Community Court, and I intertwine those dockets along those other dockets. Um, we have an eight uh, criminal court rotation dockets two civil um, rotations, and then we have the admin week, which is which we try to schedule meetings and community engagement in those meetings, um, and then try to just take care of administrative things we have in our office. But the Music City Community Court has added uh, a number of different other courts, and so we've got the Restore Court, which are helping people get their records expunged, looking at their court costs on the fees. We do that on Wednesday and Saturdays. We have the Care Diversionary Court, which is the first in the state of Nashville. Actually, the Music Community Court is the first community court in the, in the state of Tennessee, so not in the state of Nashville, but the state of Tennessee. Um, we were able to get a grant with the United States Department of Justice in 2018, one of five courts selected to work with us to create the care court. Most courts don't understand that young adults ages 18 to 30 are still forming their cognitive ability. You could be 26 in one zip code and have formed your cognitive ability because of your experiences and your quality of life. You could be 30 in another community because of your zip code and your quality of life where you're just now forming your cognitive ability. Mm-hmm. And so that's putting the science behind what's going on with people and their decisions. And a mm-hmm. lot of the crimes are quality of life crimes. And so we've got the Care Diversionary Court for ages 18 to 30. It's a pretrial diversionary opportunity for young adults to go through so they don't have to plead guilty, don't have to have something on the record. When they get done, we dismiss their case, expunge their record as well. And then we have the Legacy Housing Resource Diversionary Court 
which is a civil court, helping individuals, landlords and tenants, kind of get to resolve and finding funds for the tenant to pay the landlord so they can keep a roof over their heads and their family. And so those courts um, are very near and dear um, to me. Um, I worked really hard to get them here in the city of Nashville. And so I'm really excited about that. And so all of those are up under the umbrella of the Music Community Court, which is the specialty docket, right. which wasn't you know what I was hired to do or elected to do, right. but I did tell the people that I would be involved on and off the bench and right. in developing this community court was exactly what I meant. So it's outside of the walls of the Justice Birch Building. It's over in the Magruder Center in zip code 3728. And we move it around into communities as needed. No, I think I think both of those courts, um, the Music City Community Court in that in the legacy mm-hmm. court, I think because one, I think a lot of people are, are getting more help and starting to figure out more restorative than, than punishment. And mm-hmm. I feel like that the Music City uh, Community Court focuses on that, right? Yeah, that alone. Uh, that so al- the Music yeah. Community Court is the is the name right. of all the courts that go up under it, the restorative courts. Sure. That's so Care the, Court, the, Restore yeah, the Court, and Legacy. So three courts are up underneath the Music City Community Court. So it's its own branch, branch away from the normal General Sessions Division 8. And so do you think that in the future going forward that we could have more more judges can take more of a restorative approach? I think they are okay. in the city of Nashville. I think, you know, I always brag on us for the city of Nashville. We have a recovery court that handles mm-hmm. people that are dealing with drug addiction. And, you know, those are diseases that we're trying to help. Right. We've got a mental health court that deals with the mental you know, health disparities and things that are going on. We've got a veterans court. We've got a sex trafficking court. So the city of Nashville, we even have a homeless, um, homeless, homeless court. So the city of Nashville, I do believe, is on the cutting edge all across the country of looking at restorative justice. And we've been doing that for better more of 20 years. So I think the uh, community doesn't know about it unless they're in trouble. So if you're in trouble, then you know about these restorative justice courts. That's um, marketing and getting the word out better would be you know helpful for us as a body and i know i've tried very hard to get the word out of different things that we're doing but i would say that we're spot on i think we have every court we can possibly have um right now at this time in the city of nashville so we're we're spot on with everything and i don't think it's a new process new concept it's just we're in the state of tennessee and so sometimes (laughs) it takes us a while to catch up to new york and some of the other uh, states that have already started this type of uh, restorative justice work yeah and i think when you say a lot of people don't know unless you have to go to court, I mm-hmm. think I think that's where a lot of the narratives are coming from, especially around mental health. I know MMPD now um, is um, working with the mental health co-op on the ah I'm, I'm, the mobile name crisis. the mobile crisis, right. yeah, with bringing somebody to social worker exactly, right. exactly, um, and trying to figure out how to navigate and not trying to you know jail mental health right. cases, but come up with different initiatives. Right. Um, and alternatives to make sure they eat the actual help. And I would say, need. I was um, one of the individuals that was working with um, Darren Hall, who is our um, sheriff. sheriff. Mm-hmm. During that time, I was a presiding judge for General Sessions Court when we were coming up with the concept, and he led the charge on having the BCC, which is the Behavioral Care Center that we have mm-hmm. downtown Nashville. So people that have mental illness can go there, and it's a more holistic space right. to try to get them to wholeness. Because ultimately, we're trying to not incarcerate these diseases that people um, have and right. just trying to help them understand a better way to um, approach their mental health and their issues and how to get you know, their medicine 
make sure they see their therapist and right. make sure they work through the challenges that they may have. So, And so um, we're in a pandemic. Right. Um, and I know the legacy court is kind of directly tries to uh, intentionally address what happens in housing yeah. because of the pandemic. Right. Um, how has the pandemic affected, have you seen affected the court, the courtroom? Well, I want to clarify because a lot of people think we started this housing research aversionary court because of the pandemic. We were working on this in 2019. Okay. Um, all of 2019, long before COVID, long before the tornado. And um, when the mayor had found out that I was working on it, I got a call from his senior advisor and said, hey, we heard that you're working on this housing research aversionary court. Um, can you help the city out? And um, I looked at it, I talked to my team, we said yes. So we were creating this housing research diversionary court for MDHA, working with MAC, and it was a metro-ran program for people that are receiving government assistance and those that were on Section 8 or living in MDHA property. And so it was just an easy shift to get it ready for private landlords and private tenants that weren't dealing with metro, um, you mm. know, department housing authority or that weren't dealing with receiving Section 8 funds or subsidies. And so when it came time, yes, the, the pandemic was here and we were ready to go. So I always want to tell people, hey, we didn't create this for the pandemic right. or as a response to the pandemic. We were right. already ready to go. And so sometimes you just listen to a vision. I believe for me, all the things we've created was um, something that God gave me an idea. I met with the right people to see how we put it together. Right. And um, we led the charge. And so I was, I'm very proud of the work that we've done. We've been recognized. Um, Federally, nationally, I had an opportunity um, with President Biden's senior advisor, Gene Sperling, to present at the United States Housing Eviction Prevention Summit. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, now, congratulations on that. Yeah, that's a thank big you. deal. Thank you. And, you know, it's a testament to our city coming right. together, Metro Action Commission, who's led by um, Dr. Cynthia Croom, and then our mayor, um, who even applied for the United States Federal Treasury Funds, called Emergency Rental Assistance Funds, you know, without that commitment from our city, mm -hmm. um, we wouldn't have been able to be recognized from the government. Come to find out, we were one of the only courts created, ready to go right. um, in the nation. Right. And I didn't know that. I was like, oh, wow, we're the, one of the only ones ready to do this in a more streamlined way. So right. um, kudos to the team and the people that work for us to put this together. Legal Aid Society was an instrumental um, partner in the very beginning as well. So, you know, um, Catholic Charities and some other organizations I'm very proud of the work that we put together to 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 launch. What has been some of the challenges that the pandemic has um, caused in in going in just people getting to court, being in court, trying to pivot um, that whole situation, and still making sure you know cases can be handled and dealt with, and um, people not sitting in jail, uh, people can get out of jail, whatever it may be. Well, for a while, you know, the courts were closed. Yeah. And then we had a limit on how many people could come to court. And so with my court, um, I had to go virtual for the whole year um, oh. because of my diabetes and my thyroid condition. And I was on the 36-inch monitor, and I had my staff all with laptops so I could hear and see everything that I needed so that um, the courts could still be open, at least with my division. But I would say that our team did a great job, and we were able to create a um, virtual docket mm -hmm. where um, we could have court where people could right. be, you know, in their car, parked, right. or at their home, um, and we were hearing cases. And then also people that were incarcerated, we created a jail docket, virtual jail docket, where sheriff's office did a great job putting up cubicles and different stations for the people that were incarcerated to be able to 
present their case with their attorney virtually mm-hmm. so that um, those cases could be heard. So it took us a minute to um, pivot, you know, that's the word, transition to right. virtual court and virtual opportunities. Right. But we were able to do that. So the general session court never closed. Um, we just had different dockets that were open, the priority. And so those priorities were the ones with people that were in jail. And so okay. our jail dockets were always open. Um, we didn't close opportunities for that. But if somebody was quarantined or somebody was tested positive for COVID, that did um, have some challenges. And just like a few years ago when we had the scabies breakout right. in jail, we had to work that out. So we learned how to um, maneuver with technology and getting in the equipment through the CARES grant funding mm-hmm. to make sure that in any crisis or anything goes on with the city that we'll be able to still move forward. Because people's freedom and then also having right. um, the right to a fair and speedy um, trial in or hearing is right. important. And so I was an advocate for it. I know um, Public Defender Chief um, Martisha Johnson was, and so was um, our general um, attorney general, um, district attorney general Funk um, was very um, instrumental in getting that done. So it just takes time. Everything doesn't happen immediately, but it takes time to put the pieces together. But mm-hmm. there were some there were some challenges, but I think weekly we had meetings and we made adjustments as quick as we possibly could. You you talked a little bit about fines and, and things like that earlier. Um, and one big, I guess a big fine that a lot of people, um, a lot of the narratives uh, that is happening right now in the community is uh, cash bail reform, right. money bail reform. Right. Um, many people don't agree with just period placing a price on a body. Um, and it seems like it benefits the poor and hurts the marginalized, which are either black folks or poor white folks. Um, what are some alternatives that you can think about or that you might even see kind of talks happening amongst the judges now um, to cash bail here in Nashville? Well, I would say about six years ago, um, we applied for a grant. And again, at the time, I was a presiding judge for General Sessions Court. And... We looked at money bill, we looked at cash bill reform, and we worked to put together a pretrial um, process for nonviolent offenders. And for those that were violent offenders, looking at um, criteria to see whether or not they should have a bill or not, um, if they should have a cash bond or not. Um, but we put together pretrial in different levels if they need to be supervised or not be supervised. And I know significantly. Um, most of the people that come before us are released on their own recognizance or they are given pretrial and maybe um, a GPS monitor if needed. I do know that, you know, we have transitions tremendously and I'm very proud of the work we're doing. We can always continue to do better in that space, but the city of Nashville took an effort um, six years ago and now people are talking more and more about it. But if you look and comb through and look at the bonds and the people that are still being incarcerated, um, that are nonviolent, they're far and few between. Okay. Those that are violent, they're a harm or threat to themselves or others. Their risk for public safety for the city of Nashville usually will have a bond, and you may not fully know the scope or the background of the particular person while bond was put on that particular person, but a lot of the time that bond is put on that person not just to hold them in jail, but it's because we're not. there may be a flight risk or know. there may be um, a harm to society. So a lot of those will be people that um, unfortunately are mentally ill mm-hmm. because we need to get them to treatment. Some of those may be um, drug addicts or dealing with uh, that disease. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to get them 
detoxed, right. triaged, so that we can get them. And then we have hearings right now within uh, five days, but I know that we're looking to have them within uh, 24 to 48 hours. So we have night court commissioners, mm-hmm. and we are able to um, hear cases 24-7. It's just a matter of streamlining the effort. So there's some work that's still being done, right. but we're, we're on the cutting edge of it for the state of Tennessee, I would say that. Me and you can have, can be charged with the same offense. Correct. My bond may be 10000 And we might have this, we, may, we can even have this, a similar, you know, criminal record or no record, right? Mm-hmm. My bond could be 10000 Yours could be 20000 mm-hmm. Is there a system that kind of can, 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 how did, how can you make it, help us make sense of that? Why? It's looking at the background. Okay. So you're looking at their criminal charges, not just in Tennessee, but it's called an ICIC. We will look all across okay. the United States. How many times did they fail to appear? Mm-hmm. How many times have they been arrested? Mm-hmm. How many times have they um, had a probation violation? How many times have they um, not done what they're supposed to do? Right. And so it just depends. You look at it on a case-by-case right. case basis. Okay. Do they have somewhere to live? Are they homeless? Okay. Do they have a job? Are they a harm or threat to society? Um, what's their family situation? Um, there's a number of different things that are looked at. Um, what's their ties to the community? And mm-hmm. sometimes we have people on bond and they can pay for it. Right. But their parents, the community will come and say, no, we want him to get the treatment. Right. So it's not so much the bond is set um, because of a person individually. There's a lot of things that go into looking at right. what's going on with this particular person. Is it, so is it any kind of, I guess, scale? Is it a scale that exists? That they helps have magistrates or they have criteria okay. to review and look at, and then they look at the case. Okay. And okay. so a lot of people don't have access to all of the uh, systems right. that the police have, that the public defender has, right. the uh, district attorney has, and right. then also um, our criminal court clerk has. And so we try to make sure some people, uh, we may not know they've broken the law in Rutherford County, or right. there's a warrant for their arrest in Cheatham County. So we have to comb through all that and see what's going on. Okay. Um, going back to the virtual and just the courtroom itself, um, I participated in court watch before. I know that's a, that's a thing. I think the community, um, I think it's a great thing that the community can use one to hold judges accountable. And when it's times like this, when it's judicial elections, they can go back and have data. Um, how did this judge perform? And everybody's going to view the justice system differently, right? right. Um, but it's it's an opportunity for community um, and our right to be able to see what's going on, how judges performing, how they better best serve the community. Um, what are your thoughts on Cold Watch um, um, as a judge and kind of what it does for community and the information that it provides for community? I think it's great. Community? I think it's I think it's I think it's amazing. I think that uh, we're open to the public. If as long as you're not disrupting what's going on and you're there to watch, um, some people take off of work or they're on vacation and mm-hmm. they just want to see what's going on. Right. Uh, for some people, they really want to hold judges accountable. For some people, they just want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. For some people, they just want to watch a case to see how it's transpiring. For some people, it's not really watching the judge; it's just w- watching the court process. How does the court itself run? Right. Um, for some people, it's looking to see how the district attorney is giving offers and how they're treating people. Right. Sometimes it's looking at the criminal defense attorneys. Are they really representing the people? Or are they being fair? Right. Um, I believe the court watch is a phenomenal thing, and I think it's part of our, to me, um, I think it's part of the constitutional right to right. be open 
to um, have access to see how our systems all work. You know, um, you can go to the legislature and watch. You can go right. to any of the council meetings and watch. You can right. go to any of the mayor chamber meetings and watch. Right. You can go a um, little bit anywhere except for somebody's doctor's appointment. Right. Right. To go watch what's going on. Right. Um, you can't go to the jail per se, but right. you can sign up. To, uh, you can if, go if, if somebody, you want to. <laughs> well, now you can't just, <laughs> no, you can't just. You can't just show up to the jail unless the person has said that you're somebody that can. But what else is that? You can, if you want an inside look at jail, there's things you, you can can't, do no, to you, get no, in there. No, the public can't get an inside look. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying, no, I'm saying, if they want to do something, you to mean get, break the law? yeah, break the right, law to all, get in there. Look, yeah, no, 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 I'm talking about the stuff you can do to not <laughs> yeah, break the law. But not break the no, law. No, yeah, no, yeah. I want to keep it fair and straight up. <laughs> right. The, there's public access to um, everything that you should that's going on with our system, the legislature, mm -hmm. the executive branch, as well as the judicial branch. Um, and so hopefully don't break the law to go see <laughs> some of the systems, but you know, right. there's people that have broken the law and they're in the system and I love sitting down and talking with them to see how they think things could be done differently. What did they experience? How did they mm -hmm. learn? How did they grow? There's always constructive criticism for all of us, the good, the bad, the ugly, mm -hmm. and what did they take from it? And so I'm always asking about the people, like, how does, how does this make you feel? How does that make you feel? How does the all rise make you feel? How does this make you feel? Right. And so I make adjustments dealing with the people because I said I'm elected by the people for the people. And so right. I'm focused on the people, right. and that's why I'm focused on re restorative justice. You're a black woman. Yeah. Obviously. Clearly, obviously, clearly. You can tell from the hair. Well, hey, you know, look. <laughs> but you, you, you're black psychologically and physically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's, it hasn't always been easy for black women. Still not. That's true. Um, how has being um, a, a, a black um, woman judge, how's that experience been for you? Honestly, um, it's been, it's been, I can't say smooth. I think anytime that you're a leader, you're going to deal with um, people that, may want you to do some things differently. Mm -hmm. um, they may not uh, fully respect you. I remember when I first got on the bench, you know, um, as a female, let's just start there. It was first, you know, yes, it's always been tough for African-Americans, but having feet, just being a female on the mm -hmm. bench, they would say, yes, your honor, or, um, and yes, your honor, they would say, yes, sir, sometimes, right? And they do this not just to me, but to other female judges, because people are used to saying, yes, yes, right. sir. Right. Yes, yes, your honor, which is fine because I am a judge. Yes, your honor, but it would then after yes, your honor, they would forget to say yes, ma'am, sometimes, or yes, you know. So that was interesting at first, and I would ask some of the other female judges, do they accidentally call you a sir sometimes? They're like, yeah, right. it happens all the time. I, just, I was like, okay, because I'm real chill. Nothing, nothing really phases me to right. be honest with you. I don't take anything personal because right. I don't believe that people just wake up and want to take something out on anybody in general, right. especially if you're not in a relationship with them and you don't know them and you're just trying to get through. Most people, it's their worst day. Right. And for others, it's their most frustrating day right. when they're having to come before the court to get something done and resolved. Right. So um, I would say that in general is just a ju judges are very unique people mm -hmm. that have to handle unique circumstances. So has it been difficult as a African-American female judge and the youngest judge, I think when I first started, I was 30, I did just turned 34, because I ran when I was 33, and a lot of people thought I wasn't uh, experienced enough. Right. But come to find out, I was well-versed and smart enough. So I think in the first year, they're like, ah, oh, now she's spot on, she understands what she's doing. Right. Um, 
there was a learning curve, and so I really appreciate Judge Dalton, who was the first African-American judge elected in Davidson County, and I was the second female African-American judge elected. Um, she mentored me for a period of time, and then some other female judges, um, Chancellor um, um, McCoy okay. gave me some guidance. Um, Judge Amanda McClendon would give me some guidance. Judge Barbara Haynes would give me some guidance. Uh, Judge or Chancellor Bonnieman. So we have a good collegial um, respect for each other. Judge Marietta Shipley was very instrumental in my success. But you need to ask other people that have done it, other people that have been through the right. challenges. And then as an African-American, I mean, we've been challenged our whole life. So right. you already walk in the gate knowing you're going to have some challenges. Right. So as a basketball player, I already walk in the gate knowing I'm going to have some competition. Right. And I may not perform as well on defense. They may keep shooting on me. I may right. not perform as well hitting my shots on the first run. Right. But once I get my rhythm, right. you know, I'm going I'm going to perform. So I wouldn't say that it was it was I would not say it's been challenging. Right. I will say that it's the nature of the profession. I'll say that. I haven't had any discriminatory right approaches where I'll say, man, this has been discriminatory right. towards me. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a pivot this a little bit. Mm -hmm. In our community, in the black community mm -hmm. When we know we've already, you know, it's already pressure. Um, we already have had a unique experience as black folks in the United States than anybody else, um, especially historically when it comes to the criminal legal system. You being a national native, three, four generations, has it been tough navigating those two components, being from Nashville, being African-American woman, knowing that I work in a system that historically has done black folks uh, wrong, there's been disparities in this system. Um, now I'm trying to do my best to be impartial to the court system itself and the people that come in front of me, but also knowing like, ah, you know, it hasn't really been equitable for people that look like me. Um, and we hard on each other. When I see Judge Bell, she look like me. She from the same city as me. I may be expecting Judge Bell to know, come on, like help me out, you know, help a brother out, or you know, come on, give give our community something maybe exclusive, um, exclusive to us because of our history, because of our presence. Um, has that weighed on you? Have people brought that to you from uh, the black community here in Nashville? Um, have those conversations come up? Well, I'll say I ran on it. I ran on it that I'm Rachel Bell, you know, I'm an attorney, and that I'm going to work to make sure that my community understands the system better. I'm going to be visible. I'm going to create initiatives. I'm going to look at the recidivism rate. I'm going to work on restorative justice. I ran on that before I was ever a judge. So mm. I told everybody I was going to do it. I mm. said I'm going to start the community court. I said I'm going to bring it to the community, and I did. I started a community court. I brought it to Bordeaux, um, North, where I created the Bordeaux North Community Justice Center in Magruder Center. I've been on the front lines. I've been in the trenches. And then in the meetings, the senior meetings for the city, I'm an advocate for my community. I'm an advocate for my race. I'm an advocate for my gender. I'm an advocate for my sexuality because I have a seat at the table. When it comes time for me to make a decision, I look at both sides and I make a neutral decision, but I'm always looking at the best interests of both parties. Um, sometimes somebody, um, both sides need justice. I'm looking at right. how do I make the victim whole, but how do I also look at the situation that's going on with this defendant or defender and what did they do? And so I'm tough. And most people mm -hmm. tell you, they're like, that's my judge, that's my judge. She put me in jail, but she saved my life. That's my judge. So I'm not 
going to give you a break because I'm from your community. What I am going to do is look and peel back the onion and see, swim upstream and see what really is causing this problem. And then I'm going to look in there and see how we fix it mm-hmm. and give you some more classes, maybe give you a little bit more restorative justice, help you navigate through these waters a little bit better. It's my focus. So you're not going to get a break because you're from North Nashville. You're not going to get a break because you're black. You're not going to get a break because you're gay. You're not going to get a break because you're female. But I am going to take all of my experiences and look at what's going on with you and see what we can do to get you whole while still making sure that the victim is whole. So that's kind of how I handle it. And I believe um, most people feel like it's fair and it's just. And because I want both sides to feel whole. How do right. we get here right. and how do we fix it? Not today, right. but going forward. So that your that's why I named the Housing Resource Diversion Court Legacy, so that your children's children right. and your community Right. We'll have a better legacy, not right. just you individually. We got to do this together. So I'm always looking at both sides. Nashville is growing. 100 people, something like that a day moving here, right? Um, more people, essentially, I guess more people, more crime, right? Um, 2022 judicial election coming up. Nashville is growing. People are moving here. All kinds of people from all over the world. Um, what does... Judge Rachel Bell see as the future of the criminal legal system here in Nashville with the uh, influx of, of growth? I think it's going to be more restorative. Um, I know that we're looking at, there's different people come from all across, the, all, like you said, all around the world. Mm-hmm. The world is restorative. Um, New Zealand has a way that they bring people that have broken the law and they put them in nice um a proper, you know, apartments that look great, and they're trying to help them get skills and help them get educated. Um, New York is uh, removing, or they have removed all cash bond and bail. New Jersey has done it. Um, the world is changing. Uh, we're looking at what's fair now. We're looking at what was the history. I know that in Tennessee, which is unfortunate, and I can't say this. I think history. I'm a, I'm a history buff. I love it. I teach at Fisk University as an adjunct professor with the um, Leadership and Social Justice Institute. And I think you have to understand your history so that first we don't repeat it, also so that we learn from it, and then we can respect it. And so uh, allowing our children not to learn their history um, and others not to know what their ancestors did, whether it was right or wrong, you can respect it and then you can make sure that you do better. Right. And so I think our country is changing a lot, but bringing new people in, they know what happened and they're willing to get on the front lines. They're willing to um, boycott situations. They're willing to march for certain things. They're willing to um, pick it and make sure that the leadership of the city is focused on the people. You know, like I said, I'm elected for the people by the people. Right. I'm not focused on government and big business. I'm focused on what do we do to help marginalize in the least of these. And I believe the people that are moving here want to have a good life in Nashville, definitely. And they are entertained. You know, Nashville is an entertainment right. place. But I think they also have a heart to care about the people. And that's what I'm seeing with the people that are moving here. And the people like us, unicorns, I think we've always cared. Right. It's just we didn't have our voice being heard. And right. the leadership wasn't able to maneuver. But that's also... We're just now getting opportunities to be leaders, too. So you can't sit here and say, oh, well, it's been 50 years. Yes, that's true. But also remember, my mom and dad integrated their schools. I'm the first person, generation, that was able to go to a school that wasn't, there was no need to integrate. Wow. So you have to think about that. I'm the second ever African-American female judge ever elected in Davidson County back in 2012. So, I mean, we're making strides. But just remember, 
we're only two generations, two and a half, two and a half generations away from sharecropping and slavery. Right. So right. we can't, you know, it's yeah. unfortunate, especially being African-American. But like I said, I'm always optimistic and I'm looking, are we better than we were yesterday? And how can we continue to be better with our opportunities and our responsibilities? We've got to have, when we have a senior table, we've got to be vocal, but we also have to be educated. Right. We can't just be like, oh, this matters and this matters and this matters, right. but you don't have the data. Right. You don't have the stats and the you don't have the information. Yeah. I know it matters, but right. tell me how you're going to resonate it to everybody else so right. that they can then say, okay, we're going to look at this a little different right. and we're going to um, change the budget or we're going to change the initiatives and move more resources here because of this information, right. not just because you're yelling and screaming. Right. You don't get very far with that. What does justice mean to you? Justice means freedom to me. And it's not just people think justice is court or going to the legal system. No, justice means equal access to education, equal access to healthcare, equal access to shelter, equal access to food, mm -hmm. equal access to love, equal access to peace, joy, and the opportunity to live. So that's ju justice. Martin Luther King made it popular and it was in Amos, you know, and justice to stream down like mighty waters. If you think about mighty waters, that means it's gonna knock you over, right? Right. Mighty waters means you can't even stand up. Right. That means justice is supposed to stream down in a way right. that you can't even handle. Like, thank right. you for my freedom. Thank Tsunami. you for my. You're supposed to have right. more than enough. Right. That's justice. More than enough. Right. But we can at least give each other the basic necessities, and so justice to me is everything. Judge Rachel Bell, I appreciate your time. Any last words that you want to leave with our viewers and our listeners? Yes. Ring the bell for justice in 2022. I'm going for my third um, term. Check out the website. It's www.judgerachelbell.com. And I want to continue serving in our city. So I May 3rd, 2022. I want to get in that three-point contest. Okay, you know, that's you know, I'm a firebird. You know, okay. city channels, all that. You know, look at the banners okay. on the wall. Y'all go uh, check Carolina? that out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, I know you Hillsboro. Okay. You know, that's I know. Right. You know Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. Auburn University. University. You know, all, all that. You know, yeah, hey, all that. All all that, that. You know, you do your, you okay. did your thing, uh, you know. But, uh, you know. We'll do a three-point contest. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it after election because I don't want to, you know what I'm saying, cross you up. And then be like, ah, you know, you cross the. Hey, hey, I've gotten tossed up before. I still we, come we back. We all have. We all, hey, you play long enough. Come, hey, I still come back. You play long enough. You get What year was up. you at Procon? Uh, I came out um, 20. Oh, well, dang. How long? Dang, it's been that long. 2008. Okay. So I'm eight years older than you. Yeah. Something little, like that. A little more season. Maybe a little bit more than that. Yeah. 2008. Yeah. 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 A little more. <laughs> no, a whole lot more. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> But now I appreciate your time. Okay. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank right. you. It's, it's a great thing that you're doing, so keep up the good work. Oh, oh we, we got to, you know, that's yeah. your name. Somebody got to talk true. about what's going on in the that's city. True. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. All right.